This is Kurt, and usually at this time you're going to hear Jen chime in, but it's a little bit different today because we've got an interview with comedian Robert G. Lee. Robert's a friend. He's been one for years. And what I like about Robert and talking about the faith revolution is he has a revolutionary faith and that he's taken his faith into Hollywood, a place where a lot of us would think faith wouldn't flourish, but it certainly does in Robert's life. And so I wanted to talk to him a little bit, dive into that, and that's what we're going to do on this episode of The Faith Revolution. Well, this is Kirk, and welcome to The Faith Revolution podcast. And today it's a little bit different. A lot of times it's me and Jen, but this time I've got a special guest, Robert G. Lee. And Robert is a guy we met, we just figured it out maybe five or six years ago at a conference. And Robert speaks at banquets, I speak at banquets, but he does so much more. He's a comedian, he's one of Hollywood's top, in fact, probably the top warm-up comic. If you see a live television show, lively audience, it's probably Robert who got them ready uh, for that show. And so also a writer for VeggieTales years ago, uh, and just a lot of fun. And, And Jen and I, kind of just connected with Robert. I don't know, there's a kindred spirit there and and he's he's in town and I thought, let's just get Robert on the podcast and let him talk a little bit. So Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I just want to let everybody know that I am not uh, Jennifer, obviously, and I do feel bad that she did leave Kirk and uh, there's some kind of interpersonal thing going on that I, I don't feel like I should talk about. Oh, that's not public knowledge. And, no, it's not. And okay, we're not okay. going to talk about that okay, yet. And that, hopefully so I can get her back. They're in love uh, and their marriage has never been better uh, from what I understand. And hopefully I can get her back for the next <laughs> podcast after you've done this. But, but uh, <laughs> well, it's good to have Robert. It's been good to have him. And then we'll move on to another guest. But, no, it is, Robert is a lot of fun and, and he's a blast and, um, what I like about Robert is he is real. He's not one of these guys. You know, I think of comedians, and there's a stereotype here that a comedian is in some ways larger than life, but you can't really break through to the real person. And that's not you, because you are so real. You're real on stage, and you're real uh, just here today. And so we've been talking about so many things. And so, again, it's great to have you. And, and, uh, Robert, just just tell us a little bit about how you got here and, and stuff like that. Well, here meaning career or here um, what yeah, roads I took Yeah, here meaning career. Here's my first question. When did you decide and just go, you know what, I'm going to do this comedy thing full time? I mean, was it grade school? Obviously, you thought about it back then because you were a smart aleck in grade school. I've heard that. but yeah. But what kind of made you say, I'm going to do comedy? That's Well, it... I think God gives us a sliver of his personality, and I think everybody has a little facet of him. He is the full spectrum, and I got his creativity. And I'm from Indiana. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew, and it's not even a joke, I knew from the time I was five, this is what I wanted to do. I had no idea how I was going to get there. I just, and it's, you can't talk about him now because Bill Cosby fell from grace, but when I was growing up, he was the comedic idol. And yeah. I remember the first time I saw him, I, I was five years old, and I saw Bill Cosby, and he did a routine. I've never seen it uh, except on this one TV show. It was a Rumpelstiltskin thing. And I just, I saw it. I said, that 
That's what I want to do. And I was watching a show about Billy Crystal recently called 700 Sundays. He had the same kind of thing. He saw a comedian when he was nine in the Catskills and said, I can do that. I can't play like Mickey Mantle, but I can do that. So I, I just knew my dad was funny, and I watched him as a kid control the room, as it were, with our relatives. He was funny and very witty. Um, uh, there's so many stories I could talk about my, my growing up, but uh, suffice to say, Criticism wasn't allowed in our household because we're a very Christian home, and so you could only speak nice things. But if you were sarcastic and funny, you could sneak it in. So I was being trained by my family how to be a comedian. It's horrible communication when I uh, when I got married. I found that out. But for, to be a comedian, it was great. So all this to say, I I, I was trying it. I. I um, a turning point was fifth grade, which sounds really strange to go back to it, but they showed us a film and they showed a film of a hunter going into the woods and he's about to shoot a deer and the deer's doe comes out and he says, oh, I won't shoot it. And he has a turn of heart and he leaves. And we're supposed to write an essay about what we saw. And I'm sure it was about how all God's creatures are. And I made a comedy routine out of it. And I realized at that point, when my teacher is crying because she's laughing so hard <laughs> that I don't think like everybody else in this room. And that was a revelation to me because I thought, well, everybody thinks like me and I think like everybody else. Like, no, 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 you're different. And everybody here is different. And so that I, that started me on the path of go, what can I do to find this career? Uh, so I was always cartooning, doing gags, um, writing um, spec acts, junior spectacular, things like that for our high school. And I was just that guy. Then I started making movies. And it's like, how? I, I just kept falling forward. That's the best way to put it. I didn't know exactly yeah. where I was going. Uh, and I just loved comedy. I loved movies. Uh, growing up, I was incredibly shy. We've talked about being you know, the introvert or extrovert. Sure. I could not ask a girl out to save my life. Uh, so I went to movies by myself. And there was an old silent movie theater. And so I started watching Charlie Chaplin films and Buster Keaton. And I saw the masters. And I learned from, from watching all these. And then it was Monty Python and Woody Allen and all these different comedians oh, yeah. as I went through my life. Uh, in college, I had a, um, a half-hour comedy radio show. And, got, and you were got, at Ohio University, right? Ohio University. The yeah. Bobcats. <laughs> there we are. It's like we had a good marching band and that was it. But um, it was, uh, but I found some very creative people there. Met my wife there. Uh, a lot of good stories. But my roommate, and uh, eventually became my roommate, was the producer, and he had that side of his personality where he was technical and he could. And I was doing all these sketches, and he goes, "You know, we could we could do a radio show for our um, our public radio station." And so we put the word out and gathered people together, and we started. We made like twenty two episodes a year. Put out an album at the end, uh, it, and, but I and I started doing stand up comedy with a guy. His name was Kevin, and we were an act. I was too shy to be myself. You say I'm real on stage. I had to hide behind character, so I was always a character. But I, okay. it got me up on stage. And after that, I just knew. All right, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm I'm going to do this somehow. So I moved, went out to California. I went, I enrolled in film school, and I, okay, I'm, I'm but I'm going to be a comedian. But I'm going to write screenplays because I love movies. And I love comedy. And then the road just started. Uh, so I, I became an official comedian when I was 30 years old. But everything was leading up to it. So it wasn't like one big day where it's like, I'm not going to sell insurance. It was, I always knew, I just don't know how to get there. So that, again, it's that falling forward until you finally find where you fit. Where was that moment when you said, I'm going full time? Is there something that happened or you just said, I've fallen forward to that point and we're just going to go for it? It was, I worked, uh, when, I, when I hit 30, I think that was probably it. 
Why is it that when we reach 30, we think we've really matured and we have made it? 30 is where everything, we're over the hill or something. I think it was more of, I no longer will wear a uniform. I'm not going to wait tables ever again. That is, I'm done with it. Uh, And so I had, I actually got into an argument with God. I had a couple little shows and one fell through and I said, I have given you everything. I've made promises and you said you were going to support me and I just lost everything. You have to come through on this. And he did. It's the only time I've ever yelled at him. (laughs) (laughs) But David yelled at him all the time. So I I, I was a good company. But it was this true expression of the heart of I've got a family to support and I can't wait tables anymore. I've got to do this. And from that time for the last 30 years, I've been able to make my living as a comedian. I'm not popular. I'm not famous. I never will be. I think God in his goodness and graciousness kept fame from me because you can become a jerk. You know, I would go out to a big hall and, uh, you know, they take a limo to pick me up and take me out in you know, a hotel. I called my wife, man, I got a jacuzzi in here. I've got a pool. This is great. And I would come home thinking I'm, I'm all that. And, you know, I had a thousand people really laughing at me and you have to come home and change the diapers and you have to take out the trash. Yeah. And it was a lesson of, oh, this is what real life is. It's not out in the road. It's here. And that was a transition for me. So I think if I got too much of that, it might have affected me. And so God kept it from me or my lack of talent did. But either way, <laughs> he's let me make a living <laughs> at it. And I found my niche doing the TV warm-up for, um, for yeah. sitcoms. And you work with Norman Lear. That's a good thing. And I know people have different opinions about many different artists, but he's a man I admire who he uses his talent. And he, he, he tries to express what he believes through comedy, and uh, I, I can't say a, th- a thing against that. So, no, I, I worked with him in the '90s for a couple shows, and then when he started and he rebooted one day at a time, I, he, um, his producer said, "You're the first call that Norman wanted to make," and so um, that was very that that warmed me considerably. And I have great quotes from Norman Lear. Um, he says, "If you don't love this man by the time the show is over, come talk to me, and I'm going to ask what the heck's wrong with you." So it's like, okay, that's a great quote. So I, I kept that one. But you know, it's fun to work with. The best people in Hollywood, um, Julie yeah. Louis-Dreyfus, Ted Danson. They're just on these shows. After you've been there for a while, you get to know them and know who they really are. And they're just some great people and some not-so-great people. But it's been a, a fantastic experience to watch the best of the best. But you're able to take your faith into that realm and and just be you. And we talked about that a little bit before dinner, that you don't have to be totally out there with, by golly, I want everybody to know I'm a Christian and this is what you do not do around me. And this, you're not that guy. You're able to fit in and yet you do it with grace and with faith. And I, and I think that's pretty cool. So I appreciate it. It's very fun. It, uh, one time on Becker, it was a show with Ted Danson. Yeah. And they had a really good debate between the nurse, his head nurse was a Christian on the show and he was an atheist and they just debated on the show about God and it was balanced. And I went up to the writers afterward and said, guys, you just got to know, I really appreciate what you did tonight. You had a debate about God on national television and I don't care who won. I just like the fact that the nurse isn't an idiot. And she expressed her faith, and you let her do that. And says, that just means a lot to me. And so from that point on, they come up and said, hey, Bob, it's another God show. You'll like this one. And so, you know, (laughs) so I've been outed at different points. um, But the bottom line for me is love everybody. Doesn't matter who they are. Talk to them and see what's underneath. And if they have a great personality, oh, we'll have a blast. And we'll just, we'll riff back and forth. And I'll tease them. They'll tease me. You got to show you can take it. But you do it in love. And you can talk to anybody. 
So it opens so many doors. It, well, it does. It does. And so being, being arch and, and adamant and saying, nope, this is the way it is, uh, that's not grace. So I, if I err on the side of grace, I'd rather do that and have God say, you should have been a little bit uh, more adamant. I don't think it's going to happen, but um, I'd rather go this way. Well, Jen and I have talked about this. That Jesus, if we look at who he got angry with. Yes. Those who put chains on people. Those who were so religiously, I've got the truth and I'm going to tell you what it is. Those he had a tremendous grace for were, were obviously the best. I'm not telling you or anybody in the audience anything they don't know, but I look at, at Matthew and the, the calling of Matthew here's a tax collector. They go have this big party afterwards, and I don't know who got to go to that party, but I doubt it was the first Bapto-Methodarian deacons. You know, It was just regular people who had a lot of issues, and when the Pharisees come, Jesus kind of goes, eh, you know, we're not doing that stuff. We're not doing the Pharisee stuff. And and people were drawn to him. And I, and I think people are drawn to you. And, and we're certainly drawn to you. And we're messed up. So there's something good about that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I love what you're saying. Exactly right. Jesus says, I, I'm a physician who's come to heal the sick. People who know they need help. And those that think they're perfect don't need the doctor. They don't think they need the doctor. They do, but that's all the Pharisees who thought they were perfect and their acts were righteous and they were going to get there by their works. And Jesus just is here to tell them. And Paul told us many times in all the epistles, it's not by works, folks. Sorry. You just, no matter what you do, you're not going to make it on your own. I think it's easy for us as Christians to see the obvious. And I'm not even going to state any of them, but to put a label on somebody for this or for that, oh, well, they, they really have an issue that we somehow feel like it's incumbent upon us to deal with. Yeah. And real faith to me, and I'll let you just riff on this but or whatever you need to do, but real faith to me is loving them, as you said, and having enough faith that God will deal with those things at the appropriate time. Yeah, I had a person who had some uh, other Christians thought some some moral issues, and I said, you know what? That's above my pay grade. Um, I'm going to love them. I'm supposed. I'm directed to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and to love my neighbor as myself. And that means extending grace. Uh, I, I put it as when people get angry or they are they don't like Christianity. You're a parent. You've got five kids. You know what it's like to have your little ones yell at you or get mad at you and it's, and you sure. you don't get mad at you say all right that's immaturity they're they're doing they're acting out because they're hungry they're tired they they didn't get what they wanted well you've got to learn a lesson now and i think that's the way god deals with us so why can't i do the same with somebody else and go you know what you're speaking out of your hurt your anger and okay yep. that's fine yep as a friend of ours says a lot hurt people hurt people there you go and yeah. uh and we got to love through those. Here's another thing that jumps out at me is just we talk about real life on this. And I wanted to ask the question, have you ever wrestled with the idea? You're a clean comedian. That's important. I mean, you don't go out there on, on the stage and say, before we start this act, I want you to know I'm a Christian. You don't. That, that's not what you do. Perform in a lot of churches, but you do a lot of comedy clubs too. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're clean. Warm up for these shows which may have uh, storylines that, that the average Christian might say, ah, not my cup of tea, whatever, but you do that. Have you ever had to wrestle with the idea that, you know what, boy, it might be easier if I was a little bit edgier. I could make a little more. I could maybe be more out there. Have you wrestled that? And it's easy to say, okay, yep, I did, and God told me this and all that. But have you ever had that moment where you just went, you know, 
Every time I look at my bank account, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, no, it's you're, what you're saying is absolutely true. My career would be much further along. I'd be much more successful if I wasn't labeled as a Christian. And that's just not Hollywood. That's everything because. It's like, oh, you, you can't perform. It's like, well, you know, you're clean. Therefore, you're not. so I have to work twice as hard to be funny because they already already have a prejudice against me because I'm labeled as this. Uh, but it would be so much easier. Now, Sam Kinison was a famous comedian, but he was a preacher first. And oh. he rejected it uh, to whatever extent he did. When he when he died, He it, it's reported that he looked up at God and said, really, God, now? And then he died a couple of seconds later. Wow. Uh, it was in a car crash. Um, but, but in the middle, he was the filthiest, dirtiest, and he used his Pentecostal preaching style in the comedy world. And he became huge because what people in this world love is to go after, is to attach themselves to someone who thinks like they think. And a lot of the comedy, um, comedy stores go after people that are anti-Christian. And I've seen the, I've been to those clubs and I've heard it and I've seen it and it just, it depresses the life out of me. But in this world, it's obvious you will make a lot more money and get a bigger fan base if you go against God than if you are for God. That's just the way it is. But was I ever tempted to go to the other side? Absolutely not. This is who I am. And so, you know, everything says, be who you are. I was like, well, yeah, but maybe you want to keep it under your hat a little bit. Um, So... I've had jobs where I have had problems with the storyline, and I left those shows. I just mm-hmm. there's certain times like I, I can't even do this anymore. But if people are doing it not from a point of agenda driven, but they're just trying to be funny, and this is just a character in the show, it's like okay, I can live with that. We all have different ideas, but yeah. To answer your question, I've never thought I, it, it's 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 flitted through my mind when it's one of those man sure. this would be so much easier if I just was as filthy as this guy because then I remember I remember pitching a show to HBO hey how about if we have clean comedy versus dirty comedy and let's just have let the audience vote and see who the funniest is HBO said why would we do that we make our money being different than network television and so we would never have clean comedy on HBO because the network can do clean comedy. We're going to do what they can't do. So I was like, ah, well, that makes perfect sense. That's a marketing uh, idea that you have, and that's your plan. Yeah, I guess it would be stupid to have clean versus dirty. <laughs> so, But those are the kind of events that I do run into a lot. Um, there's one station on Sirius Radio called Laugh USA, and it's all clean comedy. Well, there used to be a couple stations, but now the other ones are letting dirty comedy in there. So now my residuals have been cut in half because I'm only on one station on Sirius Radio. Well, okay. And until and that's run by people from, uh, I think it's Comedy Central, and they don't know who I am. And so, yeah, uh, income has dropped that way. But okay, God brings up other things. Other things, like yeah. making the movie, Can I Get a Witness Protection? <laughs> Did do that, um, although that's not uh, the best story. That was also one of those timing issues, and that one comes down to e- even Christians um, shoot themselves. Uh, shoot, uh, you get you, you can be subjected to friendly fire. Is the best way to put it. Really, uh, I really thought marketing wise, timing wise, it was it was the right time for a Christian comedy. I was wrong. Came out what year? Sixteen. Um, Is that right? Where are we in twenty? Yeah, I believe it was. Was it sixteen or seventeen? But yeah, it took it took like five years to even get it yeah. off the off. It took a long time to bring this movie to fruition. It's a great story. It was like it was it was we had a church 
and they couldn't afford to stay open. So we said, well, they were looking to Hollywood um, to rent their uh, their church out while they made a movie. So we rented it for an entire month. I wrote the movie about this church and used every room, every facet, every corner of this church. And I hired all my friends because I was the church drama director and we made a movie. In the 80s, you had Christian music that was not that great until Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith came along. It's like, sure. oh, we're, well, Christians are just as good as secular. Then the 90s, you had you had videos like VeggieTales. Ah, well, we're just as good as the secular world. And then movie equipment became cheap enough that, okay, Christians can finally make Christian movies that are funny. I was wrong. So we, we made this movie, and it's called Can I Get a Witness Protection? You yeah. can see it on Amazon if you, yeah. uh, on we Prime. Yeah, we saw it. We love okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Well, I, I it's not a great, I mean, it's very, very low budget. I love it. But Christian bookstores wouldn't distribute it. Christian um, cable companies wouldn't distribute it because of the plot. And the plot is just like Some Like It Hot or um, Sister Act. A guy sees a gangland murder and the government puts him in witness protection. So he's put into a church as an associate pastor. Well, the first day on the job, the head pastor has a heart attack and dies. And so a guy who knows nothing about the church has to take over. And that's the point of the film, that he slowly comes to faith by by actually having to read all these books because he feels like he's such a fraud. A few bumps in the road few, with his uh, sermons. Uh, and exactly, those sorts of some horrible ones. But all these Christian companies said, but the guy in the pulpit isn't a Christian. He didn't go to seminary. I go... I know that's the point of the film. I was going to say, that's the point. That's, that's what the, makes it funny. That's the point of the film. They said, we cannot put a film up on our cable channel or in our bookstore and tell our our constituents that it's okay to have someone behind the pulpit who hasn't gone to seminary. So I ran into the very same problem that uh, the traditionalists, the moralists who are in my movie are um, we're in. Uh, we're stopping my film from being distributed. So, okay. Um, it was. I think it's too early for a Christian comedy. I think it will happen. There's some fantastic Christian films out there, but and there are films that can be made by Christians. But to have a faith-based story that's a, a comedy, still too early. You can do stand-up comedy. There's some great Christian stand-up comics, but we're not quite ready for that faith-based film yet. And and you got to understand, Jesus made the mistake of hiring twelve apostles who never went to seminary. They never got this thing off the ground. Exactly. <laughs> Touche. Good point. But uh, well, and now you've got you've got the movie out, and now you're putting out a book, and I and I'm I'm excited because we were talking about the premise of it, and I I just think it's going to be great. What's the big idea? A comedian explains God, the universe, and other minor stuff. Yes. And this came, one of those bolts from the blue. It's like, oh, most of the world thinks that Christians are idiots. And Christians think that God made everything. And I realized, I said, let's take it back to one point. And that's, I don't think people can refute that there was a big bang. And scientists have just worked, they're geniuses, they've worked it out. I think we're looking at the very same event, both scientists and people of faith. But we just can't draw the same conclusion. The way I phrase it is this. Scientists are very good at showing their work, but they will not accept the conclusion that someone of a higher intelligence did it. So they're, they're great at the math part of it, but they won't write down the final answer. Whereas Christians just want to go straight to the final answer. God did it. That's good enough. But they don't want to show their work. It's like, how did you reach that conclusion? So what I've done is I've, I've poured myself into uh, all these books on physics, and I'm trying to comedically show 
that science and faith are not that far apart. And if you just follow the evidence, you will conclude beyond any shadow of a doubt that there is an intelligent designer. There's no way the universe, our world, your body could have possibly been made without an ex... I heard um, a physicist recently say, to have an order, you must have an orderer. You have to have someone who put it in that order. And so I, the book is about that. Then I introduce um, God and say, this is the intelligent designer. And then I, um, throughout it, I weave in my own faith story. So it's for a cynical and sarcastic society. And I'm trying to speak in their language through humor and show that Christians, you don't have to put your brain on a shelf. You can actually believe in God and believe in science at the same time without blaspheming anybody. And I, and I think that's exciting because when it, when push comes to shove, we finally reach that, that point. We've got to figure out what are we going to do with God's Son? What are we going to do with Jesus? And you and you walk people from the beginning from that creation standpoint all the way through to your story. And then you're asking people, in a sense, now you get to make a decision. Yes. Are you going to be a follower or decide that this, this isn't for you? Oh, exactly. I end the whole book with... A declaration of faith, but not my words. I said, this is just from the Bible. And I just use all the verses as, as if God was telling a story of, I did all this for you. I did all this for you. I did this. And now where do you fall? Who, who will you choose this day? And yeah, I hope people leave with, if not a decision, uh, then if, if people are Christians or if, uh, that they will give it to their nieces and nephews who are in college who say, I don't believe in God anymore. I want, I'm going to chuck the whole thing. It's not what I learned in church. It's like, well, all right, first read this first. I wrote it for my daughter uh, and my son. I want them to know when I die, this is everything that I believe. This is to the core of my being. This is what I think. So that's what the book's about. So I'm excited. Uh, and it doesn't cost 150000 to to $2 million to make a book. You can just you can actually write a book and publish it and, and, and have it put out there. And if a couple of those Christian bookstores don't like it because the guy who wrote it wasn't in seminary, then I will have to accept that. <laughs> well, I will accept the book. We accept that you were here today. It was a blast having you. This is just a lot of fun. I appreciate our friendship. And I appreciate that you do take your faith out there in the real world. That that means something. And it's and it our faith doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be lined up and put in a box. It can be in front of an audience warming warming an audience up for a sitcom. It can be it can be at a comedy club. Uh, and it can be in a book that, that some people are going to go, now what is this all about? And so I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Give me your website. It's my name. It's just robertglee.com. That's pretty fancy. How'd you pull that one? <laughs> I, don't, I, I got in early enough. Very creative yeah. on that end. But it's robertglee.com. Uh, we've had a blast with him today. Jennifer is actually here. She is just... <gasps> you came back! Yes, it is a miracle. She's back with us. But thanks for joining us today on the Faith Revolution podcast and uh, be looking for the book. And the book is What's the Big Idea? A Comedian Explains God, the Universe, and Other Minor Stuff. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to read it. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Robert as much as I did. I had a blast. Anytime he's around, I feel like I'm a little better for it. And I want to remind you that Robert has a new book out. It's called What's the Big Idea? A Comedian Explains God, the Universe, and Other Minor Stuff. It's on Amazon and other booksellers, so I encourage you to check it out. And check out our show notes to find out more about the book and how you might have Robert at your next event. 
Again, thanks for joining us on The Faith Revolution. We look forward to hearing and seeing you next time. Thanks for joining the podcast today. And I want you to know I'm always interested in hearing from you. Just go to my website at kirkwalden.com and drop me a line there. I'd be glad to connect. By the way, check out the show notes for a transcript, references, and a few products inspired by today's show. The Faith Revolution is edited by JDW Productions and hosted by Captivate. Today's music is Positive Ideas by Sound Design.